James 4, 7 through 10 I read, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Draw nigh to God is our thought for today. And these scriptures tell us there is a way to do just that. The natural tendency is to draw back from God. That's been from the time that Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and hid himself. He ran from the presence of God to hide himself in the evening. But God called him and asked him where he was, what he was doing there. He came out to begin to defend himself and excuse himself for his misdeeds and to blame his wife for his trouble and all of this. And from that man until now, the tendency has been to draw back, to draw away from God. And even the tendency in a Christian church, if Satan has his way, would be that the members of the church would not draw nigh to God. Satan would begin by causing people to be a little less than aggressive in their desire to draw nigh to God, he would not dare to suggest that we draw back, quit, go the other way. But it is not necessary for him to command us to turn around and go back, nor to rebel altogether. If he can but succeed in causing us to fail, to do our part to draw nigh. For if the tendency is to draw back, the inclination is to go the other way, then we must fight against the inclination and must press on and draw nigh. Do those things that God wants us to do that we might get closer to God. Now these scriptures gave us some little instructions, not too detailed, but enough to point the way at least. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. He says the first thing. Elementary. If you want to draw nigh to God, then you must quit your evil ways and wash your hands of all of that. Leave that behind you. How are you going to draw nigh to God with sin on your hands? Can't be done. So the apostle says, draw nigh to God. To do that, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Quit your evil ways, quit your sins, and do everything you can to wash your hands of the whole thing. Leave it behind you. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We have to put ourselves to something if we're going to actually see our hearts purified. You won't have your heart purified as long as you look at the putrid and sinful things of the world. If a man wants to live 
circumspectly and uprightly before God, he isn't going to dabble with the things of the world and, and go the way the world goes and the way the devil would have people go, is he? You wouldn't be purifying your heart and trying to live nigh to God if you frequent houses of ill fame, moving theaters where they have terrible pictures and things like that. And most all the theaters have such things. Don't kid yourself. If you do, if you do this, are you purifying your heart? No, you're throwing yourself wide open to the influences of the devil to draw you away from God. So don't get mad at your preacher if on Sunday morning he warns you against the things of the world, such as seeing the movies that we have in these days and so on. Don't think he's narrow-minded and old fogey. There's only one way to purify your hearts and cleanse your hands, and that's to draw away from all this stuff, not toward it, but away from it. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's what God's man says, Paul the, uh, James, the apostle in this case, when he said, draw nigh to God. There are ways to do this, of course, and they're wrong, and there are ways not to do it. The inducements the world has for people, especially for young people, are so alluring and so set up and so arranged as to seem that that's a desirable thing. And many times that desire is made greater and greater because of the preponderance of opinion and by the majority of people that, that go that way and do that. And, become involved in all of that. And then even people who claim to have a Christian background or a Christian religion, even they go that way and tend that way and, and they seem to think it's all right and then justify it and talk about it being something it's their liberty to do and their privilege to do. When all the time Satan is using his clutches to get hold of them a little tighter and a little tighter to draw them further and further away from God. But God says your job is to draw nigh to God. You resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He never flees when people coddle him and hold him close. Listen to his ideas. Entertain all his suggestions. When they do what, the, what Satan says, he isn't going to leave. He'll be there and his Bands will be tighter and tighter and tighter, and his blinds will make your vision darker and darker and darker. His grasp will even bind your understanding until you cannot really understand why it's wrong to do wrong and right to do right. After a while, the lines are so close that you justify yourself in doing evil and say you're doing right. Why? Because Satan's blinded you. You did not resist the devil. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If you're going to draw an eye to God, you must do that. You cannot entertain the thoughts of the devil and follow him and do his bidding if you're going to find God and, and live close to God. You'll have to resist the devil. You have to take some affirmative action to start toward God and to find the right place and maintain that right place in relationship with God. Everybody has before us in the days of the Lord when he was going toward Jericho. On Jericho Road that day, a great crowd came along with him. And the crowd was immense. And Zacchaeus, a man who wanted to see the Lord, climbed a sycamore tree so he could see over the crowd. He looked down when the Lord came by and saw him. Jesus, knowing Zacchaeus was there, stopped and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Well, I wonder what would have happened if Zacchaeus had stayed at his place of business in the city 
without going out to where Jesus was. He'd have just been a tax gatherer, just been a publican there, then went on the rest of his life as he had been. But he knew where the Lord was, and he drew nigh to where, God, where God's Son walked. He came through the crowd and climbed a tree, so he drew near enough to get within range. And when Jesus saw his heart and saw his need, called his name before he, Zacchaeus thought he was aware of the fact he was there. He said, Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. If you will come close to where the Lord is, He may just call your name. But if you go the other way, you'll get further and further away, and you'll soon not be able to hear. But if you draw an eye, come close enough to look and say, Where is the Lord? You've done the right thing by coming to church this morning. And you who are listening to the radio, you've done the right thing even by dialing across the dial to find a church service. But is that enough? No. Satan comes to church also. Satan broadcasts over the radio. A lot of things happen in the world everywhere. But God wants us to do more than just make one gesture toward God and come part way and then stop. No, He'd have us to draw nigh to God until we come to the place that we know where God wants us to do. You can listen when God speaks and get the answer. Or you can close your ears and miss it all. Some do. Many people do. Everybody who hears the, the voice of God uh, doesn't obey the voice of God by any means. The majority of people say, No, not me, and go the other way. So you can close your eyes when God shows you the way. You can close your ears when God speaks. When the Lord speaks to you and you feel in your heart that God is convicting you or showing you what you ought to do, talking to you, you can change your mind. You can look at the wall, look at the clock, look at someone next to you, look at your clothes, think about this afternoon, or go to sleep in the whole process and miss the whole thing. But God would have you to remember God's trying to tell you, you ought to draw nigh to God. You ought to do something to come closer to where the Lord would have you come. Now, even though you may have walked with God for low these 40, 50, or 60 years, that doesn't exclude you. No, the summons still is, come closer, come nigh. And if you've only begun in the way, just started a little while ago, then you're included because the Lord says to you, come closer, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. When Zacchaeus climbed the tree, he could see the Lord. The Lord could see him all the time. God can see everything. God is everywhere. He knows. He hears. He understands. But we are limited. So if we're going to see the Lord, or see the Lord's way, or find the Lord's will for our lives, we have to do some moving. We can't stay where we were and get there. No, we must move. So Zacchaeus did climb the tree, and he could see the Lord. Blind Bartimaeus along the wayside, blind man begging. But the Lord came by, and he cried out, Bartimaeus did, O Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now that would get a fellow thrown out of some churches. He came into a church and all of a sudden cried out, God help me, O Lord, have mercy upon me. He, he disturbed the whole meeting. But God wants us to be open to cry out to the Lord, to call upon God, to pray, to draw nigh to God. Blind Bartimaeus did. And the whole procession stopped that day when the Lord was going by there too. And he called for him. Healed his eyesight. He's a saved man and a, 
heal man before the day was over. But you notice, even the poor old wretched man who had to beg for a living, he had a lot of things to cause him to feel discouraged and down and out. But he at least did something. He called, O Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And that was enough. And he, the one man, got the answer to his heart's cry that day. And all the crowd went marching all by. After a while, when the trip was all over, they just folded up and turned around and scattered and went back here and went there. Same kind of people they were in the morning. But blind Bartimaeus was not the same by any means. He had met the Lord. He had just done that much by crying out. He had drawn nigh to God even by doing that. Some choose to forget. Some actually choose to forget, even if they've been told. The Lord has called them and spoken to them, but they had rather uh, make it easy on themselves, they think. That's what Satan tells them it is, that they'll just make it easy on themselves and disregard what they've heard and choose to forget it. And having done that, then they choose to fail. They choose to bewilder themselves, to get in a fog that they can never find a direction from. It seems to be impossible after a while. Why? Because they have chosen these ways. They've, they've chosen the darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. If you cleanse your hands, then you can come out in the light. If you purify your hearts, you aren't afraid of the inspection. But if you choose to cover your tracks and cover your ways and, and beg the issue, disregard the warnings along the way, then it won't do you any good to sit back and wonder what happened to you. Some do that. They say, oh, I don't feel like I used to feel. I've lost my enthusiasm. I guess so. There's a way to do it. And the way to do it is just draw back and you'll lose it. You just hesitate. Drag your feet along the way and you soon won't know how to walk. Let someone pull you along for a while. They can pull you for a while, but not forever. You'll have to take hold of yourself after a while and begin to walk the walk of faith or you'll, learn, you'll forget how to walk. But if you'll take hold of yourself and say, by God's help and grace, I know which way is up and I'm going that way. I know which way is right and I'm doing that also. I'm going to do the right thing. Then you won't have to wonder what happened to you. It's pitiful, really, to try to counsel people who you can see that are just drifting, drifting, and, and they don't seem to have any interest in really getting a hold of themselves and saying, I'll stop all of this. I'll take hold of myself. Let the Lord help me. It's, it's hard. You can't win all people by words like that. It takes the action on their part to say, I know where God is. I know what my problem is, and I'll rectify the problem. I'll straighten that all out, and I'll start toward heaven and toward home. If you do that, you'll have victory. If you don't, you're programmed for failure. Well, even Peter the Apostle did that. A man, one of the twelve, called of God, a great man. But he had a failure along the way. And the failure is recorded that we might not fail the same way. That's not recorded just to downgrade Peter and to make him the horrible example for all time of a man who failed God. No, the story goes on through his failure and how he came to himself and God had mercy upon him and restored him. But at the beginning of that failure, what happened? They were headed toward Calvary and toward the courtroom scene before the Lord's crucifixion. And Peter followed afar off. He was just lagging behind. That's all he was doing. But, and he was a man who had said just before that, Though all men deny thee, I'll never do it. Let everybody else forsake you, Lord, but I, I, I'm one that won't forsake you. He said those words and he meant them. He didn't mean to, to say one thing and do another. Of course not. He just meant to do what he said he would do. 
Though all men forsake you, I never will. And so said all the disciples as far as that's concerned. But then the time came when they drew nigh and Peter followed the procession farther off. He fell behind and fell behind. And after a while, he was outside warming himself by the fire that someone else had built. Outside there warming himself for the fire, talking to some little maidens. And one of the young ladies said to him, for you're one of the disciples of the Lord. You, you're one of His. The Master was inside now to be tried for His life and later to be crucified. But He was outside, outside there talking. And uh, when He said, Well, you're one of them. We can tell by your talk. Your speech betrayeth you away. We can tell by your accent where you came from. But He said, No, no, not me. No, no. I don't even know the man. I don't even know him. And after a while, He even swore. Peter did. Don't boast yourself of what you might do. Don't stand so high you think you can never fall because, after all, we have to watch and pray lest we enter into temptation also. Peter was tempted and Peter gave in and cursed. And the cock crew that, after that happened and he remembered what the Lord said. The Lord had told him before. God warned him too. He said, don't be so sure of yourself. Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And after he denied the Lord the third time, the rooster crowed. Even the animals, little the chicken family, rooster crowed. And Oh, what an indictment to Peter. He remembered what the Lord had said. There's the cock crowing. What did he say? Well, you'll, do, you'll deny me three times. And he had done it. He went out then and wept. It was a time then for repentance, all right. This was something he knew he ought not to have done. But he, he found mercy, all right. But think of the, what, he, what he'd heard. When the Lord had said, Lord, warn him. You may have had warning too. You may have heard over and over again that you should watch and you should pray. You should seek the Lord. You should diligently serve the Lord and, and do it all the time, all the ways you can. You may have heard that all your life, but yet you might have missed the boat somewhere and began to slack off. Don't do that. Draw nigh to God. Do something to stir yourself to seek the Lord. You might ask me now, all right, what can I do? One thing you can do is pray. Even before meeting here, you can come to church. You can gather around over here in the foyer there and stand and talk if you want to. And you can talk right up till the music starts and then, then dash in here and barely get your seat before the, um, the meeting starts. And, but you aren't ready for the meeting that way. You're just, your mind's on other things. You're just visiting and talking and you haven't really used the opportunity to really get in this right spirit about, have you? You might even make a, a beeline for the prayer room upstairs. You, you might go through the back room here. You might find people standing around talking back there. But you can elbow your way through them and say, I've got to go to the prayer room. I'm going to pray. If they don't pray, don't follow their example. Don't follow those who draw back. Follow those who draw nigh. Those who put, set themselves to pray and to seek the Lord. And if you will, God will help you to draw nigh to God. Then when the meeting starts, you've got your mind on the business. You've got your mind upon the Lord. You're here for purpose, and that is to pray and to worship and to listen as God speaks. You'll be a lot more likely to hear the Lord's words. You'll be more likely to understand what He means and what He says, and you'll have a, a better ground to retain it, to understand it and appreciate it. You've thought about it and programmed yourself for it. You've planned it, and you've opened your heart now. Then the Lord brings the message, or God speaks the word to you some way, and you're ready for it. You don't have to stir yourself. No, you're, you're glad you did. That's one thing you can do. After meeting's over, 
You can do the same thing. You can say, I'm going to pray that God will help that word to get right down deep in my heart. I'm going to open my heart and say, God, I want it. I know it's for me. I hear it. I believe it. Now I'm going to apply it. Then you can drop on your knees and pray, God, help me to say yes. Help me to, to do what God says do. You can shake it off and go on out and forget it. And the more often you shake it off and go on out and forget it, the easier it is to do it next time too. But if you'll stir yourself to say, I'm shaking off nothing, if it's of God, I'll just shake off the devil's suggestions and all of his, his ways, but I'll listen as God speaks and I'll not shake that off. I'll open my heart and say, God, drop it deeper in my heart. Drop it right down in my soul. Help me to say yes to everything that God would say to me. Help me not to ignore any of that and to forget it never. Help me to remember it. If you'll pray like that, God will write in your heart. You can. Actually, when you hear a sermon, hear a testimony, when you read the Bible yourself, when you memorize a scripture or anything, you just ask God, Lord, settle that right down deep in my heart. Not just in my mind to be able to recall it and quote it, but let that word be a part of me. That's what we do when we pray. We pray, God, settle this right down deep in my heart now. I've got the letter. I've heard the, heard the word. I know what it means. Now help me to say in my own heart, yes, I will do it. Submit yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. And God will raise you up, all right? But we have to do it this way. There's no other way. He, God resisteth the proud if you feel sufficient, like you don't need to. Like you get along all right without it? Well, you're getting nowhere. God, God even resists the proud. God's even against you. He can't help you. There's no way. He can't get to you. But if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, then God hears your prayer. God listens when you pray. God answers your prayer, gives you your need, fights your battles for you, explains things to you you can't understand, give you grace to bear the hard things that come to one and all. And some will come, of course, but God giveth grace. But if you don't ask for grace and pray for it and seek the face of God, then when a battle comes along, you're on your own. You just have to do it your own way. And that's not right. Why doesn't lie within man that walks to direct his own steps, much less to solve all life's problems and settle everything comes our way from other quarters. We need God's help. We must have it. And we'll have it if we draw nigh to God. Yes, the coldness comes for a reason. The indifference comes because we program ourselves for it. We plan it that way. Oh, we don't intentionally plan it that way. We don't one morning wake up and say, now I'm going to progress toward backsliding. No. We don't make any steps that way on purpose, but it comes automatically because the inclination of the human nature is to just let the spiritual things take care of themselves. We must control all of that, die daily ourselves, crucify ourselves, and come toward the Lord by seeking the Lord with all of our heart. Don't sit idly by and say, I feel myself drifting, drifting, drifting. When you feel the drift, get hold of yourself and say, it's the uphill way that counts, and I'm going uphill. Brother Jack Robbins used to say that any old fish can drift, old dead fish can drift downstream. He'd seen that. He'd been in the boat. He'd seen the dead salmon floating down. It died and come to the surface. And there they go, drifting, drifting. But it takes a real live one to go upstream against the rapids, against the waters, against the, all the obstacles there. It takes a live one. And also, the same is also true in the spiritual. Anyone can turn loose, let go, and drift. But it takes one with determination and purpose and zeal and grit.
to stick with it and say, I'm going through, I'm going through. But we can if we will. We can if we will. The way is open. God's plan's pr uh, perfectly clear. There's no reason to miss it. All we have to do is watch and pray. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. If you come to a place where you, where you feel you're, you got it, you're standing, the Word plainly warns you against being uh, content. And that stage said, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. We're, we've none made it yet. We're all on a probation as far as that's concerned because he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Let not him that putteth on the harness boast himself as he that taketh it off. No, don't, don't let a man who started out boast about his start. Let him that's finished be able to thank God for the grace to have finished all right. That's, that's the thing that counts. But let's praise the Lord for the encouragement God gives us to draw nigh to God. Can you find ways to draw nigh to God? Read the Bible. When you do, God speaks to you. Can you follow God without knowing what God says? Can you follow the Lord's instructions without knowing what they are? No. Then you must read the Bible. You must learn what the book, the God's, God's Word says to you. So if you want to draw an eye to God, bury your uh, head in the book, so to speak. Open the book and read it. Make use of it. And after having read it, then open your heart and don't say, No, no, not me. No, I can't. If it's in the book, it's for you. If it's what thus saith the Lord, that's what we want. So, to draw nigh to God, read the book. Pray. Fellowship with believers. Speak often one to the other about the things of God. You can talk about everything under the sun, and that's to no avail many times. But as you gather together, fellowship with each other, think about the things of God and converse about those things that God has done. Then when you do, you uplift each other's spirits and you help each other. You're resisting the devil. Satan doesn't come and always tarry where the Lord is exalted, where his name is praised, where people are rejoicing in the great things God has done, pleading the blood against all the powers of hell. No, he must flee. Amen. Jesus Christ has given us victory over the devil. Yes. Don't you fear you're going to backslide? There's no reason to live in a fear. No, you believe and trust in the Lord that God's going to keep you, but not against your will. So you just have to will to be kept. Then you draw nigh to God, and God keeps you. Amen. Flee every appearance of evil. Don't debate what's right and what's wrong. Just If anything has the appearance of evil, leave it alone. Don't do the things the world does, because they love the world, and the prince of the power of the air rules them. The devil rules the world. The, the very prince of the power of the air is out there to rule all the majority of everything. But our business is to serve the Lord, and to serve Him, we'll have to draw nigh to God. So bury your head around the altar this morning. Yeah. Now, don't come down and put your head under the altar, literally, and put your nose in the carpet and think that's praying. There's no more humility in that than there would be in praying upright. But come and kneel on your knees and pray and ask God to help you. Let the Lord open your spiritual vision. Let Him give you some spiritual stamina and some courage and some zeal and some plan for the future. We want that. The plan is to be waiting and watching when the Lord comes. That's the main reason for our plans, is to be up and going. Up and doing, working for the Lord with our lamps trimmed and burning and watching for the Lord soon returning. Isn't that a, enough uh, goal in this life? It is. We have to live and make a living and keep body and soul together all right, but not to the exclusion of the spiritual. Let the spiritual predominate that we might say one purpose I have, and that's to draw nigh to God. And if we will draw nigh to God, he said he'd draw nigh to us.
Now, we, can, we aren't doing it, really. We just do a little part of it, and then God does it all. We just move a little, and God moves toward us. God helps us. No matter what your state this morning, if you're unsaved, cleanse your hands. Quit your meanness. Leave your sins behind you. Don't, don't justify yourself in sin. Just forsake it. Confess it and forsake it, and you'll find mercy. We invite you to come and pray this morning. If you're a sinner, want to be prayed for, and want to pray at the altar, we invite you to come to pray. If you're already saved, want to be sanctified, we invite you to come to the altar to pray. We'd like to pray with you and encourage you to pray. If you're sanctified and want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, well, come to pray. Don't say, I, I got saved and sanctified 20 years ago. What happened 20 years ago to cause you to stop? Why don't you just come right out and say, Lord, I want the whole armor. I want to have on the whole armor. I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. If you draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. On the day of Pentecost, the 120 people were with one accord in one place praying. They were drawing nigh to God. And true to God's promise, the Holy Ghost was given. The Holy Ghost came and filled all the place where they were sitting. Oh, what a, what a day that was when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This can be a day like that for you too. Won't you come? Won't you come? We invite you to. We're going to stand and sing 193. The order's open.